Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. I was... um... Last year, I was involved in a um, almost near-fatal car accident, and I remember spending a month in the hospital. Not only did I spend a month in the hospital, when I was in the hospital, I was mistreated. I was mistreated because there were times when nurses and techs would ghost me on my medication. I remember being in the hospital and literally hearing late at night people on the same floor as me like code blue and also scream out for their their lives like literally I still hear the voices in my head sometimes because I'm I'm still going through the grief of the experience of almost losing my my life with my wife and literally I hear the screams of people saying somebody please help me somebody please give me my medication where is somebody to help I remember getting out of the hospital, literally getting out of the hospital and literally having to stay in bed. I was confined to a bed and my doctor told me that I would not be able to walk for an entire year. Along my journey, I met this doctor. I'll never forget, I was speaking at different conferences and I developed this relationship with this doctor. His his name was Dr. Jerome Libby. Dr. Jerome Libby is a neuro uh, chiropractor and so he saw me when I was first in my accident and Dr. Libby literally said, man, I'm going to come over to your house. He has a private practice in the heart of the city of Atlanta. He says, I'm going to come over to your house and he spent almost every single Sunday for four hours a day helping me to overcome what the doctor said I wouldn't be able to overcome. But that's not the story. The story is They told me it would take a year to walk. A year to walk. Man, you don't understand being in a place where you feel like everything is going fine, everything is going great, but life sometimes will bring you an unexpected wilderness. A wilderness moment where you feel like life is dry, like you feel like you're in a desolate place, where you feel like your back is up against the wall. I'm talking about a place where you feel like nothing nourishing is coming into your life, a wilderness place. And what's so heartfelt for me is that when I was in the bed and I was confined to the bed, I crushed my hip and my pelvis and the femur burst through my pelvis and it almost damaged and ruptured my nerve, my sciatic nerve, where they said I could have been paralyzed. Life was going great, but a wilderness happened. Life was going fine, but a wilderness happened. 
And the thing about a wilderness that sometimes gets us uh, uh, is that a wilderness moment can come into your life unplanned, unscripted, and unexpected. When you plan out your life and you plan out your week and you plan out your month and you plan out your year and you're saying, God, I'm going to plan this and I want you to meet me at the point of my plans. But somehow wilderness moments come into our lives and sometimes they're unplanned. They're unplanned when we thought we were going to end up somewhere and we're not there. And sometimes they're unexpected because unexpected wilderness moments that come into our lives, that leave us desolate, that leave us feeling like we have our backs against the wall. Sometimes they're so unscripted that they're inconvenienced to us. I was inconvenienced. Man, I was taking 24 pills a day just to deal with the pain. Little did I know that my wife, even five months after the accident, would end up having to have surgery herself. I couldn't even walk to the restroom. I would lay in bed, sometimes only getting two hours of sleep per day. Has a wilderness moment ever caused you to really think about your life and where you are and where you're headed and what God means to you? I was in that place. I'm talking about a wilderness moment. And here's the thing. I'm all off course. But I'll never forget going through the theological trauma that people were causing me. I was at the lowest point of my life after this accident. The night before, my wife and I had just won an award uh, for our philanthropic work through our organization, Love Beyond Walls, and sometimes we skip over moments. So in in our minds, we're like, we're going to just savor this moment and bless God for what he's doing in our lives. And we go out to dinner, literally go out to dinner to say, we're going to celebrate this moment. We are at dinner with friends, and I asked my wife, would she drive on the way home because I was tired? She agreed, and little did I know, uh, I fell asleep in the passenger seat. Little did I know that I would wake up on the ground, not knowing where I was, literally seeing MMTs coming over to me, yelling out, check to see if he's still alive. I blacked out, ended up in a hospital, Grady Hospital, where I had two orthosurgeons standing over me, telling me they would have to perform an emergency surgery quickly. And they needed to do it so quick that they needed to follow up with a seven to ten hour surgery that followed the next morning, telling me over my body, telling me that after we do this surgery, it could be six months to a year before you can walk again. I remember staying in the hospital, not knowing where uh, if my where my life was headed, having my life derailed, being in the wilderness. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes life will hit you, hit you like a ton of bricks, and you didn't have it planned. And you didn't have it scripted and it was unexpected to you. But I come here to tell somebody today that God still lives. God still restores. God still gives us the ability to walk on water when everything around us seems unstable. 
me I couldn't walk. But this is my first time preaching in a church without a wheelchair, without a walker. And I'm not saying that to boast and brag about myself, but I'm coming here to tell somebody and remind somebody that even in the unplanned events that happen in your life, even in those unscripted moments, that God somehow still has the type of grace that will invade your life and remind you that I'm still alive. I'm still for you. I'm still with you. I'm still coming to serve and save you in the midst of your darkness. When I was thinking about this sermon series, Let Freedom Ring, the scripture that came to mind was Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, where it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And then suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. This was God's official recognition of Jesus as the Messiah. The one who John says was the one that came to take away the sins of the world. This was Jesus, God's son. And the scripture says, this is. Somebody say, this is. Afterwards, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And then it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit of, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you, somebody say, if you are the son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. But he said, and he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you, somebody say, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you, somebody say if you, fall down to worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, before it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And the sermon title that I want to affix to this is From, Read- from Wilderness to Freedom. Somebody said, uh, God said, this is... And the devil said, if you. Uh, uh, this is, and the devil said, if you. Sometimes when you get into your wilderness moments and your low moments and you find yourself in a desolate place and you know that God has said, this is, this is my daughter I love. This is my son that I love. This is the type of love that I pour out on all of humanity, giving my only begotten son so you can be reconciled to me. And my grace is sufficient for you. But 
sometimes when you find yourself in the wilderness moments of life, the devil will try to make you believe that if you, if God loves you, if God is still with you, if he wants to show up for you, and sometimes those conditional statements will make us miss God's permanent grace. And sometimes we find ourselves in the if you moments of life. Are you in the if you moment right now? A if you moment, a if you moment to make you think that the, your wilderness moment uh, has somehow removed God's grace from your life. A if you moment, somehow making you think that God does not love you anymore. A if you moment, somehow making you think that there's nothing special about the love of God. An if you moment, somehow making you think that God has left you. God doesn't have a purpose for your life anymore. But I come here to tell you that God says this is this is my son this is my son who I gave to give his life for the world this is my son and I don't care what the enemy tries to bring your way this is this is uh, and I have to hold on to my hope because this is. And I have to keep believing because uh, this is. And I have to keep showing up and even having a mustard seed faith. Uh, this is. Sometimes the enemy wants to bring you into a wilderness just to make you give up. And he'll play on your hunger. Because when you're hungry, that means that you're longing for something. You want some gaps to be filled. You want some voids to be filled. And the enemy knows that if you're in a hungry place, that if you're in a desolate place, he can give you something that is temporary to make you think it's permanent. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, God, I'm, I have my back against the wall and I'm just longing because I'm hungry. God, I want something to happen for me and I'm longing because I'm hungry. And one scholar says that it wasn't morally wrong for Jesus to turn the stones into bread to satisfy his hunger but Jesus didn't do it because he didn't want to be out of the will of God have you ever been there are you there now where you're hungry God I'm in this wilderness and, and, and I'm hungry because the enemy is telling me if you if you are the son, the beloved daughter of God. If you are, are, are a person who is following Jesus, why is this happening? If you uh, are going to continue to press toward the mark of the upward call in Christ Jesus, if you. Yeah. And I, I noticed that when I was in the hospital, I was wrestling with the if you. God, why did this happen? There's no logical explanation for this. People keep texting me reasons why they think you allowed this. People keep talking to me about why you caused this. Acting as if they are you. And it's causing me theological trauma and I don't know who to believe if you. Are you in a if you moment of life where something unplanned, unscripted 
and unexpected has happened. I remember being there, wrestling with the if you. Because the enemy will always bring up the if you after God has said this is. See, I, I knew I believed and I, I knew God uh, 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 had given Jesus for me and I knew God's love for me because in the book of Romans it says nothing shall separate us from the love of God. I, I knew that Jesus in chapter 6 of the same book, book of Matthew, he says, if God is caring for the lilies of the field and feeding birds and clothing these lilies of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Don't worry. But if we're honest, worry settles in because of the if you. And, um, man, I'm sitting there. I remember reading this passage because I understood that there were so many wilderness moments that happened all throughout Scripture. You know, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness after he fled Egypt. Uh, He spent another 40 years leading the Israelites through the wilderness towards the promised land. Elijah, after he defeated the prophets of Baal, Elijah fled to the what? The wilderness. And spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. John the Baptist himself spent much much of his ministry in the wilderness, preaching and baptizing people in the name of the one who would come. Paul, after his conversion, spent three years in Arabia, which which was believed to be a wilderness area. What does the wilderness do when we find ourselves with our backs against the wall? The wilderness will make you question your worth. Because sometimes when life happens to you and it becomes tragic, it it feels like all of life has rejected you. You forget that you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the Lord. And sometimes it will make you feel like all life has rejected you and it messes with your worth. If you ever messed with you to make you feel like you wasn't worthy. Has the wilderness ever tempered with the inner parts of who you are as a person, uh, making you think that somehow God doesn't see you as worthy? But I come here to remind somebody that no matter where you find yourself, whether you're in the wilderness for 10 days or 20 days or in a hospital for a whole month, God doesn't remove his love and his grace towards you because you are still worthy. Man, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we, we, we literally think that there's no way through this. We start to think that our pain defines all of our lives. And if I'm really honest, man, I, I remember sitting there. As a matter of fact, laying there, if you could show the picture. I was laying there. And I was questioning my worth. I was questioning my hope. I was questioning if God still loved me. I was questioning how would I get through this? And then I started to recall some of the 
the scriptures. Because there was a nurse in this hospital. If you can go to the next picture. Uh, the last picture. This nurse, his nurse, is Nurse Andy. Andy, 60 plus years old, he had retired as an engineer from his previous job, and Andy was my, my nurse one night. Andy had a tremendous amount of compassion towards me, and I was wondering, because all of the other nurses had been a little suspect, and I asked Andy, Andy, why, why do you have so much uh, compassion that you're showing towards uh, uh, me? And Andy says, I have the same injury. I had the same injury that you have. He says, but you're going to get out of here. It took me a year to get out of the hospital, but you're going to get out of me. Nurse Andy was at work, called his wife on the phone, said, babe, talking, talking to his wife. What was that scripture that got me through? proceeded to read me a scripture in his role as a nurse and tried to encourage me while I couldn't move myself. He was encouraging me in my wilderness. What am I saying? That sometimes we are wanting God to free us from our wilderness when God is trying to get us free in our wilderness. And that's another story because we got to understand that sometimes God is doing some inner work on the inside of us while we are going through what we are going through. When I was talking to my physical therapist and my clinical counselor, he said, you're not going through post-traumatic stress right now. We're going to switch the stress to post-traumatic growth. I want you to start seeing how is God going to grow you from what you're going through? How is God is working in your life from what you're going through? Don't give up faith. Don't give up hope. And I come here to tell somebody that you're still worthy in the wilderness, that you still got hope in the wilderness, that God's grace has not left you in the wilderness. And somebody needs to understand that God still loves you right where you are. And I, and I love three things that Jesus does when he's in the wilderness that I think can be a model uh, for us. And the first thing is this, Jesus refused. Uh, uh, the first thing that the enemy tempts Jesus with is hunger, and hunger represents a longing, a longing for an end to come to your suffering, a, a longing for starvation to end, a longing for satisfaction to happen, a longing for a gap to be filled, a, a longing to overcome a void. And, and, and I'm, I, it's hard, man, it's hard to refuse the ifs of life. Because sometimes the ifs seem real and they might be an illusion, but sometimes those ifs are real. Sometimes those ifs are just the reality of what we're suffering through. But the thing that I love about Jesus is that Jesus refuses to believe that the enemy has something better than what God has in eternity. Let me ask you this. How are you refusing? We talk about letting freedom ring, but what is your refusal strategy? 
What, what is the things that you're going to remind yourself with uh, just as Jesus, when the enemy says, turn these so stones into bread, and Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not going to turn these stones into bread because I'm going to get out of the will of God, and I, I came here to fulfill a purpose of going to the cross, and sometimes the enemy will make you think that you need to have something that will that will lift you up, that will that will undergird you, that doesn't have any long-lasting things to keep you stable. And Jesus says, I, I, I refuse. He, he, he quotes Deuteronomy 8 and 3, and he says, bread alone does not sustain life. Ultimately, God is the one who sustains all. Jesus refused to believe that hunger and, and his famished body in this dry place could be satisfied by anything other than what God provides. What is your refusal strategy? How are you being intentional about reminding yourself about the things that God has provided for you? How are you reminding yourself about the things that God is doing in you despite what the enemy might be trying to suggest? It's an if you moment. Yeah. I remember laying there in tears. And my wife will tell you I had to muster up a, a praise to say I'm still here. I, I'm still alive. I'm, I'm not paralyzed. And, and, and it may be hard going through this. And it may be isolating and lonely going through this. And I had to literally cognitively go to a place to look at the, the things that I still had to be grateful for. Sometimes the enemy will allow you to look at the things that may be about to fall off the tree because fruit falls from trees and it might become rotten. But let me tell you, uh, in John 15, he says, we're not looking at the branches. We're looking at the vine, the root system. Can you still stay rooted? Jesus remembered. The enemy wanted Jesus to throw himself down. Isn't that what an if you moment does? A if you moment will seek to cause you to want to throw yourself down in your thoughts. Throw yourself down in the ways that you show up. And granted, it will be hard because it was hard literally trying to get up every single day believing that something else was possible on the other side of this. It was hard. But I had a refusal plan. And the refusal plan was opening myself up to save people. A refusal plan was reminding myself of the scriptures that sustained me in the season before. A refusal plan was allowing people who had the life and spirit of God on the inside of them call out the things that I couldn't see because the wilderness was blinding me. Sometimes we got to remember. Jesus remembered. And sometimes you got to remember, but not only remember, but you got to remember who God is. 
uh, that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's still providing. God is Jehovah Rapha. He still has the ability and the power to heal. God is Jehovah Nisi, the one who is your banner. God is Jehovah Mekadesh, the one who sanctifies. God is Jehovah Shalom, the one that is able to give you peace. And this peace I give you, it appears a peace that surpasses all understanding. God is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd, that when I feel blind, that when I feel like I don't understand my next step, that God is the one that's shepherding me, leading me to a place of ultimate satisfaction. God is Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. 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 The Greek word for the term wilderness in this passage means that you enter into a desolate place devoid of protection from those who you call acquaintances and friends. The Lord who is there. The Lord who is still there when people walk away. The Lord who is still there when you don't know which next step to take. The Lord who is still there when you're blinded and blindsided by the reality of what you're going through. The Lord who is still there. You got to remember. Because this is. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my child. We can't allow the issues of life to make us forget that God says this is. And lastly, Jesus received. The enemy took Jesus up to a high mountain and said, if you will bow down and worship me, then I will give you all these kingdoms. Specifically, the enemy was trying to give Jesus a crown without a cross. And sometimes the, those can be considered as the shortcut moments where we want to uh, finagle and try to figure out how can I circumvent this process. But sometimes it's the process that's getting you free. It's the process that you're in that you don't even understand that's presenting you with an opportunity to say, how can I grow? How can I get past some of the unresolved traumas that I went through as a child? How can I process some of these things on a deeper level so that when I actually physically come out on the other side, I'm not just passing through and coming out unwell? He wanted Jesus to bow down and worship him because he said, if you. He wanted Jesus to think that somehow the crown without the cross was better than God's plan. The if you. And there are times that the wilderness moments of our lives will make us feel like uh, we can take this shortcut or, or short step so we can try to control the situation again. But Jesus knew it wasn't about what he could do in his own strength. It was what God wanted to do through him for the sake of the world. And in the midst of Jesus' vulnerable moment, vulnerable moment, God sent angels. And I love that because after having rejected Satan's offer of bread, 
And after having rejected this encouragement to wheel angels for assistance, and after having rejected earthly kingdoms, Jesus was ministered to by angels. Uh, the word angels uh, suggests messenger if you interpret it correctly. And sometimes God will send you angels in your life, undespected messages in your life to let you know I'm still there. Uh, he sent angels to minister to him. And it's amazing that when the angels came, when Jesus was in his vulnerable moment, the devil left. And sometimes Jesus even said that where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. And sometimes we got to get around people who will remind us that God is still our hope. God is still our refuge. God is still our strength. God is still our provider. God is still the one who heals. God is still the one who fills my void when I don't feel like a void can be filled. God is still the one who's going to lift up my head towards the hills from which coming my help. And my help comes from the Lord. If you are a match and you've been doused by the waters of life, you don't stay by yourself. You get around somebody else who's burning. And when you get around somebody else who's burning, sometimes a wick on the inside of you will start to burn again. And I had to have somebody around me to remind me that God is still with you. God is still the light of the world. God is still your hope. God is still able to bring you through. God is still able to give you water in a dry place. God is still able... God is still able. Turn to somebody and tell them God is still able. That God still uses all things to work together. All things. We're not living perfect lives, but all things. Everything doesn't go according to plans, but all things. Sometimes things get unscripted, but all things. Sometimes you're going to feel low, but all things. Sometimes you're going to have to deal with the unresolved trauma, but all things. And when you understand that all means in Greek the same it does in English, all means all. The good, the bad, the ugly. And Jesus himself God himself will remind you don't give up 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 you might be asking how do I get freedom from the wilderness my question is what if God wants to get you free? No matter if you're in the wilderness or not. Sometimes we've got to give ourselves grace. Don't be so hard on yourself as life has been hard on you. When I found that out, 
in the hospital, not being able to walk, I had to realize that it was grace that kept me through. If you need that grace, come to the stage right now. Come to the stage right now. experience wilderness moments. There's no escape from them. There's no escaping. It's not a matter of if or when. <laughs> it's coming. But I think I came here to remind you that the wilderness itself does not define your freedom. It doesn't. And I had to realize that. That I still had worth regardless of my wilderness. You still have worth regardless of your wilderness. You still have worth. scripture says that my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness I love the fact that the writer introduces the subject of weakness as the qualifier for God's power uh, it's not my grace is sufficient for you when you are strong my grace is sufficient for you when you are weak and some of us got to just be honest that we're weak. See, this world has taught us that weakness is somehow an ailment. It's taught us that if you're weak, something's wrong with you. But I remember one of my mentors telling me that, Terrence, the greatest prayer that you could ever pray is help. 
That's it. God, help me because I'm weak. God, help me because I don't know what to do. God, help me because I don't have the wisdom. God, help me because I don't know what next step to take. God, help. Because all of my help comes from where? Mm. God, we thank you today. We thank you. That you have power. That even when we find ourselves in wilderness moments, transitional moments, that that doesn't reduce your power. That doesn't reduce your provision. That doesn't reduce your this is to a if you. And God, would you remind somebody today that this is always overpowers the if. That this, that what you have spoken over us and what you spoke over Jesus, that even, even a Roman scorching can take away the this is. That even the betrayal of a disciple couldn't take away the this is. That even the denial of one of his own that he said on this revelation I shall build my church didn't take away a this is. That even having to carry your own cross didn't take away a this is. Because God, what you speak out of your mouth never returns void. And God, we are thankful even in our time of weakest need that that weakest need doesn't replace the this is. And God, I pray that you will strengthen those who are wrestling with what the enemy is trying to suggest that is a if you. Give them strength to believe that even when you die on a cross, Jesus, that in three days you're getting back up. Give them the faith to believe that even after having to endure something that feels like death, that you have the power to raise them again, to raise their faith, to raise more provision, to raise more protection, to raise more wisdom, to raise more strength, because you are the God of this is. And God, we thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we worship you. God, I just want to say thank you. Uh, some of us can say today that I'm still here. Yeah, I'm walking through a wilderness. Yes, I'm hungry and longing for this thing. And no, I don't know when it's going to end. But God, this is. God, I thank you that I still can hold on to a this is moment. God, I thank you that even in the wilderness, I can say I may not be where I want to, but I'm still free in Jesus. I may not be to the other side of this, but I still have my freedom.
I may not be on the other side of this, but I still have my worth because this is, I'm still here. Somebody can proclaim today, God, I thank you that I'm still here. I'm thank you that you didn't take me out. I'm thankful that I still have my right mind. I'm thankful that I can show up to church. I'm thankful that I can walk up those steps. I'm thankful that I can open up my mouth and give you praise. I'm thankful that I can say, God, God you are the one. You are the lily in the valley. You're the sustainer of all life. You're the rose that's sharing. You're the one that put Moses in the basket but allowed him to live. You're the one that gave Aaron the words to speak. You're the one that can turn water, make water come from rocks. You're the one God who is able to take somebody on the Damascus road and turn them around. You are the one God because this is, this is, this is, this is my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm still here. Hallelujah. I'm still here. Hallelujah. I can still walk. Hallelujah. It didn't take me out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.